Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer, Spuds, Chris Sabo. Alright, let's do this! And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with the 1988 NL Rookie of the Year. He was a three-time All-Star and 1990 World Champ. He was inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame in 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Sabo. Spuds, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, Booney. I've never felt better. That's great. This I'm looking forward to this one. I had to do some. I had to do a little research. I know we played together uh, in Cincinnati, but I had to do some research on it. Just had Johnny Bench a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He told me he's played. He, he's played in nine senior tour events. Now, me and you have had talks about golf. I know you played yeah. on some. Mini, you've been in some mini tour events. We've discussed yeah, this that's... before. What do you think about yeah, that... golf handicaps? Uh, well. Uh, I, have no, I have no problem with them, but I mean, uh, I'd rather play one on one. If you, if you want to play golf, let's play straight up. You know, go practice. <laughs> I remember, I remember telling, yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. I remember telling you, go, Booney. Now, there's no handicaps. We play straight up. So, a hundred bucks. I'm a five. You're a scratch. You give me five shots. You're not okay with that. No, no, just not not, not for. It depends on what kind of money you're talking about. You're, you're, you're talking a couple bucks. That's fine. If you're talking a hundred dollars, no, you play straight up. That's golf. Whatever you do, you know. Well, what, what's the handicap in baseball? If you can't hit, they throw underhand. What? <laughs> what about in bowling? What do you, are you going to spot me pins? Now I'll play a strap in bowling. I'm not that good. I can't. I can't. I can't spin the ball. I, I, I just throw it straight. So uh, they say if you can spin the ball or curve it, you have a better chance of knocking those pins down. But I, I can't do it. That's probably why I wasn't a pitcher. I can't spin the ball. All right. Born in Detroit, Michigan. I want to hear about Chris Sabo as a, as a little kid growing up. You a Tiger fan, by the way, as a kid? Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the city of Detroit. I mean, I'm still very uh, friendly with the uh, McNichols boys down there at Winston Avenue uh, in Detroit. Uh, my uncle had uh, – had the nightcap bar down there in uh, Six Mile Road and Telegraphs, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm still a big Tigers fan. Obviously, I played in Cincinnati, so I'm I'm a Cincinnati fan. But uh, Tigers, Red Wings, Lions, Pistons, you know, obviously I went to Michigan. So uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a Detroiter, and uh, I love it. It's a great place to grow up. I wouldn't trade anything. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't trade anything for it. It was awesome. I didn't know. You were a big hockey player as a kid. Take me through that a little bit. I guess in I guess in Detroit, it's a little different yeah. than going to going to high school in Southern California. I think about there's nobody that really plays hockey out here, and I know the big well, the the kids that do though. I know the big challenge for them is ice time because there's so few arenas. I mean, I, I know the kids that were, were hockey players. It was like, oh, we got to go to the we got to go to the rink at four forty five in the morning before school. Detroit, it's probably a little different. I mean, there's probably it, it's probably more normal to play hockey. But what's it like? Um, I, I don't know if the correct correct me if I'm wrong on the verbiage, but being a junior hockey player, 
I mean, yeah. Give me the t- the time restraints. I mean, you get it's it's a lot of work, isn't it? Well, Booney, I I played uh, uh, all sports. I mean, I, I mean, I'm well, not. I, I know I was a baseball player, I was a hockey player, and I played golf in high school. Uh, but quite honestly, uh, growing up in Detroit, I was more more known uh, more uh, known as a hockey player. Uh, and and and, mo- and most people, I mean, I played for uh, uh, the Sharks, who won a national championship. I played for uh, uh, Mike Illich's uh, Little Caesars teams. Uh, that we went to national championships and uh, under Chris Corey, who was a great coach, and uh, you know then went up to play junior hockey up in uh, Niagara Falls, Ontario. Uh, so most people assumed I'd be a hockey player growing up, and uh, and that was a big choice I had to make. You know when I went to University of Michigan, uh, you know I was on a baseball scholarship, but the hockey uh, program always wanted me to play and. It was rough. I mean, in retrospect, you know, just 40 some years ago, I would have loved to have uh, played both. I mean, I loved them both, but uh, baseball won out because you you can't beat uh, the uh, the one on one of hitting. I mean, I, that that was always the big thing for me. That that one on one thing of hitting. I mean, defense is defense. That was easy, but uh, the hitting part I thought was cool, and uh, that's what uh, I loved hitting baseball. So I mean, that was. Uh, that's how I made the choice ultimately. Always the University of Michigan. Did you always want to go there just because you grew up there, or or were you thinking no, about that, other? No, people? yeah, yeah, no, uh, no. Uh, you know, I was recruited by a lot of the big shots. You know, I mean, I got a letter from your guy Rod Dedu uh, out there in Southern <laughs> Cal. You know, I mean, right. I mean, but there's there's no way. My my dad was a plumber. My mom was a waitress. Uh, uh, Ann Arbor was, you know, where I lived was about an hour away. And, uh, I, I grew up a Michigan guy. I wasn't a Michigan state guy. And, uh, yeah. And fortunately for me, I mean, Michigan had a great baseball program back then. And, uh, you know, not they're pretty good now again, but, uh, yeah, it was great. And I got there and played in a few world series and college world series and all American guy. And, uh, we had some good players and, uh, I always, lo- I always loved Michigan. So it was awesome. This is what I'm interested in. You say, and obviously you loved hockey. You were a goalie, but you, you yeah. said, you said, you know, I don't know. I the the hockey team always wanted me to come play for them, but I couldn't because baseball was, you know, was more important. And I understand that. What would the challenges have been to play both? Even if it was on a, you know, maybe hockey because it's your it's your number two, you play it on a part time basis, or was that just not an option? That wasn't an option with my uh, coach at Michigan, Bud Middaw, and uh, Danny Hall were, were, were my coaches there at Michigan. Uh, they knew I was a good hockey player there, and uh, and uh, unfortunately, at that time in the you know 1980, Michigan's hockey program was down a little bit, so they were looking for decent players. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the only concern would be time. You know, you know, you'd have to split time, uh, but for me, it wouldn't have been that big a deal because I, I did it anyway. Growing up, I mean, because hockey was a long season and, and it always interrupted baseball somewhat uh, during my high school years. So uh, I don't think it's been that big a deal. And back then, you know, Spuds was in pretty good shape. So, I mean, I, I could have done it. You know, I was probably in better shape then than I am now. I mean, you know, I, can bar- I, I can barely move now. But, uh, you know, see, when I was 18, 19, man, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was a dynamo. Well, that's it because, you know, Spuds, I grew up before high school. I grew up in Jersey. Dad was playing in Philly. So yeah. 
during the winter, you know, the lakes would freeze. We'd shovel the snow. We'd go play hockey. So I thought I was like a hockey player. But I had no idea you were like a real hockey player. See, I never knew a real oh. hockey player when I was a kid growing up. We just, you know, we shoveled the lakes. We beat each other up a little bit, chased the puck. It was fun. You know, it's fun now if I if the kids, we go to a to an ice rink, I can actually skate. Where did you learn to skate? Well, ah, your dad could do some yeah. things you don't even know I could do. But uh, no, the, the well, whole hockey you're an thing. Athlete. Really you're, you're, uh, that's interesting you're, you're to me, superior though. Superior athlete. <laughs> All right, we'll get on to University of Michigan. Uh, yeah. Baseball, 82, Cape Cod League. See, Spuds, yeah. what people don't know, the people the people out there nowadays, 2021, there's so many programs, and I know we'll get to it a little bit later, your head coach at Akron. The yeah. kids have a lot of options for summer leagues. Back when, when yeah. you know, you're a little before me, but back then it was two leagues. It was the Cape Cod League. And it was the Alaska League, and you picked one or the other. Nowadays, the Alaska League quite isn't on the same level as it used to be. It's fallen off a little bit, and Cape Cod is still, you know, the top of the, the top of the mountain as far as college summer summer league programs. Right. I never played in the Cape. I played one season in the Alaska League. Uh, how was that season in the Cape? Because that's back when you know. Nowadays, they got wood bats. We didn't really use right. wood bats unless you played in the Cape Cod League. So how was your your experience that one summer in the Cape? I think it was in 82. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. First of all, I mean, uh, I had no choice in that thing. Uh, my coach, uh, Bud on Danny Hall, uh, you know, my freshman year, all, all the freshmen in Michigan had to play in the D- uh, Detroit Adre League, which was in uh, Detroit, obviously. And so all the freshmen had to play in that league as a freshman. Then, then, then when I was a sophomore, you know, I mean, this is how it was back in 1982. He, the coach came up to you and he goes, he goes, Sabo, you're going to the Cape. And I, and I go, great. Thanks, bud. And, uh, and he goes, by the way, you're on the U.S. national team, too. And I go, thanks, bud. That's awesome. So, uh, so I, I played half the season in the Orleans in the Cape. And then I went and played the, on the U.S. national team. Uh, that was a crazy uh, experience. Uh, we went around the world for eight weeks, ending up in Seoul, Korea. This was a precursor of the uh, Olympic baseball in 1984. And uh, now we had good players, you know, Wally Joyner and, and uh, Mike Capel. And it was, it was a hell of a team. Uh, but it was a long eight weeks. I, I think Spuds came back to – Ann Arbor, uh, like 120 pounds after, after that summer. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know you played on the USA team. I played on a USA team too. It wasn't an Olympic year, but you're right. It's right. like kind of a, a barnstorming tour. We went everywhere. I ended up in Cuba, which actually was really interesting. And that was oh back my God. in. I, yeah. I have stories. Was, I mean, we started in Chicago. Uh, we went for, and, and, we, and, we, and we, we started going east. And we went to Chicago. Then we, uh, we ended up playing in Holland, and, and then we went to Germany, and we went to, like, Thailand, and then, we, I mean, then we went to, uh, uh, what, what's that, Hong Kong, or wherever it's called, or Taipei, and then uh, we ended up in Seoul. It was eight weeks. It was, it was crazy. That had to be pretty cool, cool, though. I mean, that, that I mean, wouldn't be I mean, normal places I mean, that you take Bernie, a trip I'm, I'm, tw- I'm 20 years old. I didn't know. I just want to get back home. It, it, it was too long. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, 
but didn't want to eat uh, foreign food. I, I, I like I like steak and potato. All right, so we get to eighty three. You're an All American. Right. Uh, your second round pick with the Reds. Now coming out of high school, you got picked by the Expos in the thirtieth round. Yeah. You went to the right. University of Michigan. This time around, you're an All American. Big pick, second round pick. Uh, and you sign. Let's get into that minor yeah. league career and how was it for you going from big time Michigan, big time program uh, to to minor league baseball? Uh, I mean, it was good. I mean, I, I went to the uh, Cedar Rapids in the uh, Midwest League. I was MVP, so it worked out great. And then uh, the next year, I went to uh, Eastern League uh, Vermont Reds. Uh, Bernie Sanders was the mayor then. And uh, we, we won the uh, – I was in Vermont for two years, and we won the Eastern League both years. I mean, we were loaded. We had the, the Paul O'Neills, Cal Daniels, and Larkins. I mean, we were, we were loaded, so it was easy to win those things. And, uh, yeah, but my second year, I struggled. I mean, I got hurt early in spring training. I mean, I, I really couldn't swing a bat. I hurt my uh, collarbone. You know, I, I, I think I barely hit 200. But I still played good D, so I, I helped. Then, uh, then I played better in the second year of double A. Then I played a couple of years in triple A and, and, uh, and I got to the big leagues, I guess. I like the minor leagues. The minor leagues didn't bother me. I was used to having no money. So it was fine. I mean, I was, I was used to, uh, living on $6 a day, you know, there's <laughs> no problem. Well, and it's, and it's, I think it's something too. And today's, you know, I hear all the time, uh, the minor leaguers now, Oh, we need to be, we need to be treated better. This and that. I've got a son playing in the minor leagues. And I'll tell you what, he never complains about it. Cause I said, that's, that's what the minor leagues is about. And you, by the way, you don't contribute anything to the bottom line. And Spudge, you know how the minor leagues is now compared yeah. to when we were there. I mean, we were lucky to have a, a, a bag hanging on a rope in our locker room. These kids today got two lockers in spring training. So I think the minor leagues, from when it was for us, it's come a long way. These guys have good facilities now. Oh, well, you know, we're, we're about the same age, give or take. But, uh, yeah, we were, uh, we were that last era in the minor leagues before they built all these Cosmo Hall minor league stadiums. I mean, we, we, we played in – God, I, I played in Buffalo at War Memorial Stadium where they, they did the natural. I mean, it, it, it was a dump. You know, I played Bush Stadium in Indianapolis. It was a dump. I mean, yet the locker room was full of rats and uh, mold and stuff like that. You know, now when I was coaching with the Reds, I mean, we, you know, you go to Dayton or Louisville. I mean, they're they're not the big leagues, but it's it's pretty dang close. I mean, it's a beautiful place. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, but you got to tell kids. I mean, it's minor. It's called minors for a reason. It's not major. A ma- major means higher than minors. So I mean, if you're in the minor leagues, suck it up and play. Well, it's, I think it's just what you said about golf. There's no hate. Just play better, and you won't have to stay in the minor leagues. Yeah, just play better. You know, God, we used to stay at this place called the Six Pence Inn in New Britain, Connecticut all the time. I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, I want to be nice here, but it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't uh, the Ritz, put it that way. <laughs> You were lucky if the door shut all the way when you were going to bed. Put it that way. And, and you didn't care because all you wanted to do was play and you wanted to get to the next level. And I remember, th- I, I remember having those thoughts. I, I had one thought mine is, let me get to the big legs. 
and I don't care what I stay in. Just give me a place to put my head down and get me to the ballpark and let me hit extra BP and let me get to the big leagues. And then one day I'll look back and I'll appreciate what I went through to get there. But oh, yeah, I didn't. Look, I, didn't I, I never thought about. Oh, you need to pay me more. I, no, you get paid when you go to the big leagues. Well, I always had that. I always had that attitude. I mean, I go. So you're making seven hundred dollars a month in the big leagues. Are you going to fight for fifty bucks? And obviously, you get seven fifty. Doesn't mean nothing. Doesn't mean jack squat. I mean, get get to the big leagues and you'll make some money. I mean, you're not going to make. You can't make a career in the minor leagues. You get. You got to get to the big leagues, and that was always my thought. You know, and I was fortunate to play with, you know, some great guys. I mean, in, in the, the Reds minor league system was loaded way back then. And obviously most of those guys came up and we won a World Series. So we, 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 were, we were fortunate. I mean, I was fortunate to be drafted in that era when uh, the Reds scouting and drafting was, was really good. And, uh, you, know, you know, you play with the O'Neills and the Larkins and the Eric Davises and uh, Lloyd McClendon's and I mean I can go on and on. I mean it's it just loaded and uh, it was it was it was a pleasure uh, playing with the Reds minor league system back in the early eighties. So eighty eight, you make the roster. You got Buddy Bell is is at third base. He starts on the DLs. Yeah. Chris Sable becomes a start in third base. You're playing for Pete Rose. And. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, I, for those of you listening, I just to the talked Blue to him. Podcast, I just talked to him a couple days ago. Did you, Peter Jeter? And, and, yeah. And and for those of you listening, uh, we call him Spuds. That that's it's one of the best nicknames out there. It's probably, it's one of the last great nicknames. Pete gave it to you, didn't he? Yeah, Pete. Uh, when I first came up there, uh, Budweiser used to have these commercials on with this dog called Spuds McKenzie. Uh, I think it was like a. I don't know what those dogs are called, but it has a big nose. And, uh, uh, and uh, Pete used to always make up nicknames. I mean, he, he made up uh, Tony Perez's doggy, uh, Ron Robinson, the true creature, uh, Paul O'Neill, Jethro. Uh, and he goes, he came up to me, he goes, hey, Spudsy. I go, you look like Spuds McKenzie. I go, who's Spuds McKenzie? He goes, it's that dog on TV, the Budweiser. <laughs> I looked at it, I had a big, I have a big nose. I'm Hungarian. And uh, I go, okay, whatever, Pete. So he started calling me Spuds McKenzie. And then it just sort of, it just sort of evolved into Spuds. And now, honestly, I prefer people just call me Spuds now. You know, people call me Chris. I'm like, what? Yeah, just call me Spuds. You know, I tell my players, call me Spuds here at Akron. You know, don't call me Coach Sabo. Just call me Spuds. I'm good. Pete was great. It- I just talked to him a couple of days ago in, in Vegas. Uh, he just got his... Uh, a booster shot for that the vaccine, so he's feeling a little sore. And, and he goes, he goes, Budzy, uh, uh, I'm a little sore from the uh, from the booster shot. I'm just gonna sit here and watch college football all day in my chair. I go, good for you. He's 80 years old for God's sake. Oh, Pete's a beauty. He's, uh, you know, I got to spend a little. He's the time best. I, I, oh, you know, he believed in me, and you know, I still had to, uh, I still had to uh, take advantage of the opportunity he gave me because Buddy Bell was a hell of a player. And, uh, you know, but I did. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Spring training is why, yeah. is this an old wise tale or is it true? You're moonlighting at Burger King. At McDonald's on Dale oh, Mabry. That's this when we were in, uh, we were in, uh, Tampa where the, where the Yankees are now. They used to be red. Right. 
and we just stay right there at Dale Mabry at the Old Orleans Hotel, uh, 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 bed bug infested hotel for minor leaguers. That's since uh, been uh, demolished. Uh, but but a couple blocks up the road on Dale Mabry was a McDonald's, and uh, I wasn't making no money, and uh, I was getting done uh, with spring training, you know, by four or five o'clock. And I said, heck, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm bored. You go back to old Orleans, what, what are you going to do? Nothing. And, that's, you know, uh, there might have been cable, but I don't know if they had it. Or, or is that the infancy of cable? And uh, so I went and applied for uh, a job down the road at uh, working the night shift at the McDonald's. And I, uh, I went through their training, and, uh, and I was a cook. I was flipping burgers <laughs> at McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, Spuds, can you imagine me coming through there as <laughs> going, Spuds? What are you doing? Ah, Booney, I'm making well, some extra money. Well, that's that's how that's how I got caught. Uh, Chief Bender, who was the uh, player uh, player development guy, he, he we went in there and he caught a glimpse of Spuds back there flipping burgers. He said, "What the hell are you doing?" I go, "I'm, I'm, I'm making some money." And he goes, "You can't do that." And the next day. I, I get the spring training in the morning there at Redland, and they and all the all the big shots call me, you know, so-called big shots call me in and say you got to quit. And I go, I go, well, I'm making some extra money. It's not affecting my baseball. You know, I'm not making nothing here. You know, you, you're giving me one, you know, hardly any food. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to get strong. And uh, long story short, they forced me to quit. And uh, it's not a wives' sale. It's true. Uh, it didn't last long because they, they found me out pretty quickly. I wasn't too smart. I didn't have a car. If I, you know, if there was Uber or something, I could have went to the McDonald's a few miles away, and maybe I wouldn't have been uh, discovered. But uh, a, a block up the road is probably pretty easy to find out who's cooking burgers. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, eighty-eight, big year for you. You go from McDonald's cooking burgers to everyday third. Ba- you stole forty-six bags. You hit two seventy one. Pretty impressive. When I played with you, when I played with you, Spud was done. Spud couldn't do nothing. But uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was a fast dude, and uh, I used to love stealing bases and blowing in the people. And yeah, that was that was that was fun. That was a good that was a good time. So I remember that. You know, I wish I could run like that for like one day. Well, you now, went rookie of the year. You're an all star. Yeah. Uh, you become you become a fan favorite in Cincinnati, and it's from it's from everything. It was everything. It was the haircut, the glasses, the nickname Spuds. Um, and by the way, we just had a uh, we just had a reunion, and and Chris and myself. I got to see Chris. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Spuds, you look exactly the same. It's the exact same haircut that you had the day I met you. It's a, it's unbelievable. It's like you you do, you got to do it yourself. I get I, I know it's it's a, it's a good toupee. Me and Jack Benny have the same uh, toupee maker, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hell of a toupee. I'm 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 really bald, have no teeth, and uh, uh, I'm pockmarked. So uh, <laughs> uh, so it's all good. <laughs> but how was that, dude? Uh, all of a sudden, you know, you you're struggling like we all do in the minor leagues, and and a lot came at you in a hurry. I mean, you win Rookie of the Year, you're an All Star, yeah. and and. Yeah. And welcomed by the Reds fans the way you were. That's a lot overnight. Uh, well, it wasn't overnight. I played. I played five years in the minor leagues. I mean, uh, I was ready. I mean, I, I thought I should have made the team. 
the year before in 87 and Pete said, no, we're going to, we're going to send you back to triple a. And cause I had a good, uh, I had a good year in Denver in 86 in triple a. And I go, you know, I have nothing else to do in triple a. And, uh, and, uh, but you know, buddy bell was a hell of a player, you know, and I, I get what Pete was saying, you know, you know, you, you're not going to beat buddy bell and you, you know, we want you to hit. So I said, fine. So I went back and, uh, but he told me in 80, I was going to make the team. I was going to be like a super sub. And, you know, I, mean, I, I was a good enough athlete at that time. I could play outfield. I could, you know, I couldn't play short, but I could play second for a game. And uh, I could play third. And uh, and uh, so I was going to be like the super sub. And then, uh, unfortunately, Buddy, or fortunately for me, Buddy got injured there right before spring training. And uh, I think we were playing in Louisville or something. I, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Uh, but he came up to me and he said, Buddy, Buddy hurt, tweaked tweaked his knee and uh you're in there opening day and i'm just sitting there i said awesome pete all right i'm ready to go and uh so you know i, you know, I was always taught i mean obviously i mean you come from a great baseball family with your with your dad and brothers and grandpa and uh uh so i i knew you know most people are lucky to get one opportunity let alone two so i, I figured this was my opportunity so I was going to try to play the best I could. I always tried the same, but I, I was going to try to, you know, be unbelievably successful where uh, I would make it hard for Pete and the Reds uh, to not play me. I mean, I, I, know, I know how pro baseball works. If you produce, you play. Uh, if you're horseshit, you don't. So uh, produce. So that, that, that was the only thing I was thinking, produce. So I treated every game. Like it was uh, the last one I'd play, and uh, you know, fortunately, uh, I was young and strong back then. I, I could handle it. You know, toward the end of my career, I couldn't. I was broken down. You know, but uh, I wouldn't trade anything for the world. And I'll tell you, from a guy who, all right, I struck with when I first got to the big leagues, and I I played in the Kingdom, and I had this stigmatism. And yeah. I'm tell, I tried everything, they, but it was such a slight stigmatism. And this is back in, you know, 1992. They didn't have right. the corrective lens. They said, well, your stigmatism got a little bit. So I went crazy. I went, tried glasses. I tried stigmatism uh, contacts. I tried a straight, a straight uh, prescription of contacts and I'd mix all through it. I could never get used to the glasses because I couldn't really? have, I couldn't even play defense buds with, with glasses on because I would panic yeah. having something over right. my eyes. You kind of made the goggles famous and there's people that actually followed you after you started wearing them. How'd you come up with those? And man, how did those rims and, and just seeing, how did they not bother you? Well, I mean, I had an astigmatism, and and and, and uh, I had a hard time seeing at night, and uh, and you know, in pro ball, you play at night. Day games, I, day games, I was fine, but at night, I had a hard time with depth perception because of my astigmatism, uh, and uh, at that time, the only contact lenses they had were hard, and I, I tried that, you know, back then I, I slid head, head first all the time dirt flying and it, it, the contact lenses were not an option because I mean, dirt was in my eyeballs all the time. Uh, then I tried glasses, but they would move. I mean, you know, if I was running or trying to feel the ground ball, they would, they would, they, they would like shift and I go, sheesh. And then, uh, I happened to be, uh, I was in triple a 
I forgot what city. It might have been Oklahoma City. I, we were in a mall. Me and Ron Henneke, I used, I used to room with, we, uh, we were in a mall doing something. And uh, I saw this at Lens Crafters, Reggie Jackson. There was a picture of Reggie Jackson with these Rex specs on that evidently he used like during B- BP. And I go, wow. I mean, they looked like they were like stuck to his head. And uh, so I got back to, I think it was Nashville. I think I was from Nashville at that point. Uh, I went to a lens crafters and said, hey, I play ball. Here, here's my prescription. Uh, I saw this thing with these rec specs. Can you, can you, can you make some up for me? I tried them on. They had the, the strap. You can make them as tight as you want. And I put them on, and they didn't move when I, when I moved. They sort of like, were like plastered right there. So I just stuck with them. I mean, they were goofy looking. You know, I mean, no one was wearing them in AAA and, and uh, the American Association. But I said, how was it? I can see. I'm, I'm hitting. I'm fielding. I mean, I can run and slide. And the only thing, I get dirt on the lenses. I just wipe it off. I'm good. It doesn't even get my eyeballs. So uh, I just stuck with it. And, uh, you know, I, had, I wasn't trying to be a style master or anything. It was just something that was functional for me that made me more successful. I don't wear them now. You know, I'm not sitting here right now, Booney, on my couch wearing Rex Specs. Uh, I would love, I would love but, to see but, it. The, the Rex Specs. Yeah. yeah. I don't even have any anymore. All the Rex Specs I had, I gave to the Reds Hall of Fame. I don't know what they did with them. Maybe they have Rex Spec parties up there. I don't know. <laughs> 89, you were hurt during the season. We get to 90. Yeah. You're an all-star again. You had two set, 25 homers, 71 ribbies. You, you steal 25 bags. Uh, and everybody knows how that season, season's gone. It, you win the yeah. World Series. You're, you're playing uh, Oakland A's, who, who are supposedly, and all the so-called experts pick to, to run over. You end up sweeping them. But take me through that year, that 1990 season. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it was the first year we didn't have Pete. Uh, you know, 89, all that stuff with Pete. And I, you know, I was really sad. I really liked Pete a lot. I really did. He, he really helped me and a lot of the guys out that were on that 90 team. Uh, a lot of guys were hurt, including myself in 89. We had a terrible year. And with, with all the Pete stuff going on, it was, you know, obviously odd. And uh, so they bring in Sweet Lou. And uh, I liked him. I always liked Sweet Lou. He, you know, he was a straightforward guy, and uh, he actually helped me out a little. Gave me a few tips hitting, and really helped me out a little bit. And uh, and uh, but that team was, you know, we were we were healthy. We basically had the same team as '89. You know, we had a couple different parts. We had a Randy Myers and and uh, instead of uh, John Franco and a couple other guys, but uh, we were healthy. We were all in, you know, basically the prime of our careers, and it just all. Uh, and Lou gave us enough kick in the butt to make it work. And uh, we got off to a great start, which always helps, took a lot of pressure off. And uh, we, ne- we never really threatened of not going to the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a great year. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It was, you know, I wish I had more of those. But unfortunately, that was the only one I had. You played with Lark in college. Now you're playing with him yeah. on that Reds team. I got. I played with Barry for five years. Yeah. What was it like? And, and I want to hear this too, because you played with Boogie uh, Eric Davis, kind of in his yeah. prime. Uh, 
You know, I played yeah. with Eric uh, later on in the 90s when he was he was banged up a little bit. and He wasn't the Eric Davis of 1990. Tell me how yeah. good those two were. Well, I mean, uh, I, I played with uh, I'm a couple years older than uh, Barry and I, I played with him my junior year at Michigan. And you could tell he was awesome. Uh, it's just a matter of him just playing a little bit more. He was because he was a great football player, basketball player at Cincinnati Moeller. And uh, yeah, you could tell he was just, just a matter of time. He was, he was going to be a stud. And uh, I didn't think he was going to be a Hall of Famer. But, uh, and, uh, and obviously he was a, you know, you know, I played with him in the minors. Then we got to the majors. I played with him, you know, five, six years, whatever it was. And, uh, and he was great. I always got along with him. Uh, you know, wasn't like we hung out a lot, but I mean, we, you know, we, we were always had a good relationship. I thought professionally and in the locker room stuff, but, uh, he was, a, he was a great kid, but I, I always say this, I mean, no offense to Barry Larkin. I mean, I love Barry Larkin and he's a hall of famer. I go, the best player I ever played with, uh, without a question was Eric Davis. Uh, if Eric Davis could have stayed healthy, he could do more than anyone I've ever seen in my life. You know, in, in, you know, when he was healthy. He was, he, he, he could, st- he could steal 80 bases at will. I mean, when, when he was healthy, I, no one could throw him out. He was, he was a g- tremendous outfielder. Uh, obviously had great arm yeah, and he hit bombs and, uh, he could just use, and, and had good baseball IQ. That's, you know, I try to tell my kids this, uh, when I'm coaching here at Akron about baseball IQ, it's just, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, talent's great, but you still got to know how to play the dang game. And, uh, and Eric knew how to play and, uh, he was just unfortunate. He had, don't, don't get me wrong. He had a tremendous career. Uh, but if he didn't get hurt as much as he did, uh, there's no doubt in my mind, he, him, him and Barry would be in the hall of fame from that team. No doubt about it. He was awesome. I, I hear that about Eric, all, all the players from that generation, especially that team, they all say, they all kind of parrot what you just said, Eric Davis, you know, they didn't all say he's the greatest they've ever seen. They said he's one of the best. They all say he's one of the best players they've ever seen. That's kind of unanimous. You end up uh, sweeping the Oakland A's in that World Series. Uh, put me on the float afterwards. It's I, I got to go to a World Series. I never got to win one. But uh, yeah, how was that? Day after, float, Cincy, million people. Yeah, they, yeah I got my jacket stolen. This... this uh... This uh, Cook Sporting Goods maybe the sweet red jacket, like a Letterman jacket, wool, red wool, white leather sleeves, Cincinnati Reds logo, my name on it. And uh, I was in the uh, parade. This is the first day I wore it. It was sweet. I wish I still had it. Someone, someone has it. And uh, so, you know, I'm driving, we're driving around downtown in this, on this convertible with uh, Larry Starr and his wife. I think it's, I don't know if his kids were in there. Uh, Susan, my wife, and uh, so we get we get to the Fountain Square where they're going to have the big uh, ceremony. And I, I left my coat in the, in the car, thinking it'd be fine, and uh, someone took it. So that's my memory of that uh, parade. Someone stole my nice jacket. Mark shot. She was fine. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, she let me go too. I didn't want to leave the Reds, you know, and, and she chose not to uh, have the Reds resign me. I'm out. I, I, I wish I would have played the, my whole career with the Reds, and uh, you know, uh, but I, I never held it against her. I mean, uh, I, I thought she was a good owner. I mean, I, 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 I'm not that political of a guy. I mean, 
I thought she wanted to win. Did she probably treat people bad? Yeah, sure. But, you know, we're, we're all not perfect. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that she had her, uh, the Shotsies take dumps at, uh, Larkin's position for forever, forever reason. <laughs> that dog used to always take a dump where, uh, at shortstop. I remember Larkin say, why does that dog always poop here? I mean, well, they're, they're a creature of habit. I just remember March because yeah. I came in, Spuds, and this is when you were gone. Uh, 94, I came over in a trade. And they said, uh, yeah. you know, I, I remember Larkin. We, you know, we had that party that Marge throws uh, every yeah. year out at her house. And she has all the zoo animals over. And I remember Larkin telling me, Booney, you want that multi you do? You might want to get up on that elephant. <laughs> and I oh remember God, next thing Booney. I know, next thing I know, I was up on the elephant. Well, you know, maybe maybe that was my problem. I, ne- I, I never did that at those parties. <laughs> it still took a yeah, couple of years to get that multi-year yeah. deal. Yeah. Me, me and Paul O'Neill used to take that opportunity because she had, like, a cool house. I mean, you know, so when, when all those animals out there, me and O'Neill used to go in her house and explore. Because <laughs> her, like, her house used to have, like, secret passages and stuff like that. It was an old, old bootlegger's house. And it uh, had secret... Uh, like uh, rooms where they stored the uh, liquor and stuff like that. Uh, so that's what I did. But, you know, I wish you would have told me this way back then. I would, I would have rode the elephant or the uh, giraffe she used to have over Lark- there. Larkin told me, you better ride that elephant. I, I, he probably just wanted to see me get on the elephant. It, it Nothing came for a couple years till I got to arbitration before I got a multi-year deal. But at, at that time, I was like, all right, sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I used to like those parties. I mean, it was kind of, you know, besides that it was like 100 degrees and it was outside under a tent. Uh, it was fine. 91, you're an all-star again. Probably have your best year. You hit 300, 301, 26 homers, 88 ribbies. And uh, you play through 1993 with the Reds. You move on to Baltimore. Now, you signed yeah. in 83 with the Reds. So that's that's a long time. You're there 11 years. Uh, how was that moving yeah. on to Baltimore? Uh, team you've been with since you were a kid. Well, I'm sad. I, I, you know, I never wanted to leave the Reds. I mean, I, I made that perfectly clear uh, to the GM Jim Bowden and uh, and the uh, and Marge. In fact, I actually, you know, Bowden said they, they, they weren't going to sign me because they were they were going to sign Rio. And I said, well, that's fine. Rio's awesome. I go, well, you know, I don't understand why they don't want to sign me. I was still pretty good then. And, uh, and, uh, just said, you got to move on. And I'm like, Oh, uh, whatever. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity to sign with the Mets and, and the, uh, and the Orioles in that off season, the, the Mets offered me a multi-year deal and, and the, uh, Orioles offered me a one year, but the Orioles, I mean, I was all about trying to win a, another world series and by far the Orioles were the better opportunity. Uh, there's a strike here, so that screwed everything up. But uh, I, I enjoyed my time in Baltimore. It was, it was great. Ripken, you know, Harold Baines, Lee Smith, uh, El Cid, Fernandez, uh, Brady, uh, that was, uh, Mucina, Ben McDonald. It was a hell of a team. And uh, I, we would have went to the playoffs if, if they didn't cancel the season. Uh, but I, I have fond memories of Baltimore. Uh, I don't think they like me too much, obviously, because they resigned me. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. That's when I got my first. They put me in the outfield a little bit, and you know, I thought that was easy. I go, geez, put me in the outfield. This is like uh, I could do this sleepwalking. And 
Uh, I have fond memories of uh, Baltimore. 95, Chicago and St. Louis, and then 96, you come back to Cincinnati. Uh, and that's when Boone got to play with Spuds. I, I'll, never, I'll never forget, you're a big Tom Jones fan. Tom and Jones. I remember, not, uh, not unusual. I, I, I remember, yep, not unusual. I remember that, and I remember Hal Morris telling me, he said, where do you see Spuds listening to his music in his locker? I remember coming in and you're tapping your toe and you're, it's not unusual to be loved by you. Well, Boone, I, I have a wide range of uh, uh, music and I know a lot of people like my, uh, my playlist. I got everything from uh, the William Tell Overture to uh, Communication Breakdown uh, with Zeppelin to Eminem. I mean, in, in my opinion, if it's good music, it's good music. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Sinatra guy, you know, but I, but, but I like, uh, I like some Springsteen. I mean, if it's good and I love country, I mean, if it's good music, it's good music. I got some, uh, yeah, I mean, I got a wide range. I, I, I got thousands of songs on my playlist and I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, beer barrel, uh, polka. I mean, I, I like it all. 96. That's last year in the big leagues. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was doing my research. You went to law school in 2009. What was that? Yeah, like? I got bored. Yeah. I got bored. I went to Northern Kentucky Law School. Uh, it was all right. It wasn't for me. I mean, uh, you know, I don't recommend going to law school when you're older because, you know, you, you have your own opinions. And it probably doesn't mess well with professors and, and students that are 20 years younger than you are. Uh, but it, it was good. It, it occupied a couple of years of my time. Got into minor league coaching. Yeah. Say, when you were when you were playing, did you ever think as a player, when I'm done here, I'm going to coach, or did that something evolve as you went into retirement? Yeah, that sort of evolved. I mean, uh, when you when you're playing, you really don't think that. I mean, you you know, obviously, you think you're going to play forever. You, you know, you, you don't think you're going to get hurt and then all of a sudden it's done or your bat's going to slow down or all of a sudden you get a few knee operations. All of a sudden you can't steal 46 bases. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, it's sort of evolved. And uh, I appreciated uh, uh, Tim Nering uh, giving me the opportunity. And I work with a hell of a lot of players. I mean, the Bottos and, you know, I had Justin Turner and Edwin Encarnacion, Cueto. I mean, you know. Reds, Reds were pretty loaded back in those days, and Jay Bruce. I mean, so it was it was pretty cool working with those guys, you know. And at that time, I was still fairly young, probably in my forties. And uh, I did that for a few years, and then my I have three daughters, and they got a little bit older, and you know, you know, really didn't want to travel as much, and so uh, sort of stopped that, and sort of did the uh, the dad thing with all the kids, and you know, I, I coached their tennis teams, and taught him how to play golf and, and uh, it was awesome. Went to IMG and that gets us to current yeah. in 2000, in 2018, University right. of Akron and right. it's 2018 to present. You started the program and I think your first well, year, first yeah. year, did you only have walk-ons? Well, uh, I didn't start the program, but they discontinued the program after a hundred years in 2015 
And then three years later, uh, they brought me on to rebuild it from nothing and uh, without any scholarships. So uh, what we had to do was try to raise money, and uh, we did great. We raised money for a new field, new stands, uh, mostly in part of uh, Mr. Skeels out of Atlanta. He really helped uh, the University of Akron's baseball program tremendously. Bill Skeels out of uh, Atlanta, tremendous man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I did it for the challenge, trying to build something for nothing, really not have any scholarships unless we, we got some donated. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, it's been, it's been very hard. You know, I mean, the, the COVID thing really hurt, you know, because the first year I was here, we were just trying to find people. So we had to bring in 36, 35, 36 kids from nowhere. To, to build a program, we had to get unis. They had no equipment. We had, you know, started from scratch. They didn't have, they didn't have baseball. We had to get baseballs and everything. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, 20 was our first year we started. You now we went out to Pepperdine, played Pepperdine in Malibu. Great experience. Went to Lamar in Houston. Uh, and then we, uh, then our third weekend, we went to Lipscomb in Nashville. And that's when the shutdown of COVID. And then, uh, then you know you know what that that happened. Everything shut down, and uh, the last year was our first year back fully. Uh, we didn't have a good year. You know, we lost twenty five straight, finished last in the MAC, and uh, but this year we have uh, we've got young guys. We have eleven freshmen, three other new guys. Uh, seem to be a little bit more athletic. Uh, it's always going to be a struggle here until you get fully funded. Uh, with scholarships to, to try, you know, if you really want to contend for a Mac title, uh, but nothing's changed. I knew this going in, uh, about the challenge. And, uh, like I told Aqua when I came here, this is like my last big challenge to try to make this worthwhile. And, uh, I thought I've been, done a decent job. At least I, at least I'm getting it going. And uh, I still like coaching. Uh, I still got energy, still in good shape. And uh, I threw BP, the three groups today, and hit, hitting the fungos and, and uh, teaching, teaching them life lessons, I guess. And uh, it's awesome. You mentioned the COVID, yeah. And, and Jake, my son, he was in uh, – he missed his whole senior year at Princeton. They canceled the whole, the whole season. Did yeah. – um, what was the what's the biggest challenge for it seems to me from the covid you know when everything was shut down it seems like the biggest problem is it, they were giving a year of eligibility to people on the back end so the seniors get another year of eligibility now all of a sudden you got five classes so they're buttoning up against each other you got the incoming freshmen yeah. and a lot and a lot of the freshmen never got to have their freshman year so you, it's almost like you got two sets of freshmen what's been the most challenging for you and the players well, the most challenging for me for this whole college thing is how many rules there are. There's, there are so many rules, it's absolutely crazy. And uh, that's why pro ball is better. I mean, I mean there's, there's rules in pro ball, but, hey, if I want to take Joey Votto out at 12 o'clock and work with him at first base for two hours, it's no problem. Uh, but, but you can't do that in college. I mean, these kids can only – you can only work with these kids so many hours a week, and you've you got to follow the rules. And uh, – so that's really the hardest part. You know, uh, I would love to work with a lot of these kids, especially the infielders, which I think I'm pretty good at, longer than we can. You know, but you, but, but you can't. Uh, 
I think that's been the hardest thing. And the COVID thing, yeah, I get it. This year is a little bit better than last year. And I know Akron's mandating that, you know, all students, faculty and staff be vaccinated by next semester. So that might be interesting to see how that goes. I know on my team last year, uh, I think we had 36, 37 guys, and over 30 guys had the COVID, uh, which I thought was great. I mean, they were all fine. Uh, and they all got it early, like in the last fall. So we were good. That last, uh, you know, in, in the spring, I mean, no one tested positive because almost all of them had it in the uh, fall. So it actually worked out great for us. So, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see how this spring goes with the vaccinations and stuff like that and, and see actually how many guys actually do it and come back in the spring, which would be interesting. Coach in the minor leagues for the Reds go to Akron. You bring that pro approach to, to college baseball? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a pro guy. I, 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 uh, I really believe you can overcoach people. I, I really do. Uh, basically, I mean, I, you know, you know, I, I tell them what I know. I mean, I, I don't talk about a swing at all. I, you know, the best hitting coaches I've ever had never talked about a swing. They talked about approach. They talked about balance, timing, battling, competitive, see the ball, trust your hands, trust your eyes. Those are the best hitting guys for me. I, I don't get mechanical at all. I go, you know, I'll give you what I got. Once you get up there, you got to be, you know, you got to, that's what I love about baseball. You get in that box, you have to be a man. And uh, get up there and be a man. Battle that guy. Don't let that guy beat you. That's a bit. Somehow get that barrel to the ball. Hit it hard. You know, I, I don't need you to hit home runs. That'd be great. Hit it hard. That's all I can do. You hit a ball hard, take your chances. It's not golf. You can't aim a baseball. Hit it hard. And uh, so, yeah, that's sort of my approach. I, I treat them like, like men. Uh, show, up, show up on time. Uh, give me your best, and I'll send you on your way. Uh, uh, to be quite honest, that's, that's not the majority of college coaches I've come across. They're, I mean, they're Johnny College guy, and, uh, you know, they, they know baseball better than the next guy. And that was just fine. That doesn't bother me. I don't feel intimidated or anything like that. Uh, all I know is, you know, when I played, if, if someone kept blabbing at me, I would just tune them out anyway. I mean, the hit, you can't think about too much. You maybe have one swing thought and swing. See the ball and hit it. And uh, then when you hit it, run like hell until someone stops you. Uh, and defense is easy. I mean, I never had a problem with defense. I mean, that's the easiest thing to teach. It's just about reps and, you know, and if you, and if you, and if you can't figure it out in the infield, we'll put you in the outfield. Uh, we have more time to figure it out. Uh, so to answer your question, Booney, yeah, I, I take more of a, uh, uh, pro approach. I think my three assistants are more college guys. So, uh, I think it's a good balance. That's the best way I can put it. You know, the kids get to hear two different philosophies, so to speak. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense. I mean, I, I think if I were to step into a college program right now, I, of course I'd take a, you know, I, that's how we're wired. That's what we did. We played, you know, we went to college. I went to college. You went to college. But but the vast majority of our playing time was in the big leagues, in the minor leagues, in pro ball. So 
So we, would, yeah. I would definitely, I, I wouldn't know how to take a college approach to college other than the, the recruiting side. That's, that's got to be the toughest side who to recruit, who not to. I see that with the big division one programs. It's all about the recruiting, yeah. get, get the player. That's not going to get picked in the first round because of, because of the finances that are involved in today's game. They've changed quite a bit from 20, 30 years ago. So there is a little right. bit more of an art. You know, back back in the day, you recruit the best player and hope he's not the number one pick. But if you got him at Stanford, you know, whatever they're going to give him money-wise is probably going to be equal to a scholarship, so you got a chance. Nowadays, that first pick's getting $8 million, you get blown out of the water. So I think the college game now, especially the big programs, it's it's all in the recruiting. But as far as on the field, I'm with you. I mean, I, I wouldn't know any other way to teach than, than treat them like men. Uh, but I expect you to behave like a man. Show up on time, bust your butt, and, and here's how we do it. See ball and knock the crap out of it. That would be my approach at the college level. Uh, Booney, I mean, I'm with you. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have the uh, – the university does not give us scholarships. So I don't have to worry about getting the best guy. We're, we're trying to get the best guy for what we have. Uh, right. It's a little bit different than, than the Stanfords of the world. Uh, but but I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I learned from these college guys that, that have been on my staff the last three years. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I, I'm not a micromanager. I, I let them go. Uh, I let them do their thing. I mean, they, they like recruiting. Uh, which is fine, and uh, basically the only people I talk to are the guys who really want, which is fine. They, they, they love doing it, and that's why I hired them. Uh, but, but pro ball is, 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 you know, as far as getting kids better, is easier. That's the best way I can put it, because there's really no rules on time. So, I mean, I, you know, for a night game, I could, like, I, like I said earlier, I, I could bring in kids early and work with them as much as I wanted, with no repercussions. You, 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 just, you just can't do it in college. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate because, like I said, we, we, don't, we don't get the big scholarship guys. So we got guys that are projects. You know, we, we, we bring in kids in that we hope, you know, two or three years from now turn out to be pretty good mid-American conference players. You know, but we're under the same rules as the Stanfords and the USC's and the Michigans as far as uh, time constraints or practice. And, uh, so that, you know, that's been an eye opener since I've been here. Uh, you know, the rules uh, and a lot of other stuff. It's it's just it's just different than pro ball. That's the best way. And then like like I said, I'm like you. I'm I'm wired for the pro game. Uh, that's the highest level. You know, we were fortunate enough to play at the highest level. And uh, you know, said I, I'm just trying to get one of my guys in the pro ball. That'd be awesome. I, I would feel great because I know how fun pro ball is. So that's what I'm trying to do right now with these guys. 2010, you get uh, inducted in the Reds Hall of Fame. That's very cool. And and just being back at that Hall of Fame, uh, it, it's there's not too many that can stack up with that Reds Hall of Fame. You know, I've I haven't been to too many uh, Hall of Fame museums, but it, that thing that thing is pretty awesome. You get inducted in 2010. Tell me about getting that phone call. Yeah, I mean, that, you, know, you know, quite honestly, I, I, I didn't, you know, I had some good years. I, I didn't play long enough, in my opinion, to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, my good years are pretty good, you know, but I, I had, you know, I, I got injured too much and, uh, you know, really didn't last long enough. So, uh, 
obviously that phone call was was awesome. I mean, to be in the Hall of Fame with Vance Perez, Ernie Lombardi, Jim Maloney, Griffey. I mean, uh, now now Pete. Pete's in there now. Ronnie Oster. uh, Yeah, Tom Browning. All all those great guys. I mean, it was, yeah, it was awesome. It was very emotional. And uh, unfortunately, my kids were still, they were, you know, teenage years. So it was, it was good. They all came. Susan came. It was a great, uh, great experience. And, uh, and uh, now they always invite me for all this stuff, you know, no matter what. So uh, I think it's great. You know, it was great. I saw you this last one. So it was great when they inducted Marty, you know, so now he joins uh, Joe in there. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was a surprise, put it that way. But I'll take it. Very cool. Chris Sabo, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been great catching up. What we do each and every Boone podcast at the end is we bring the voice of the podcast in, Dan Levy, to ask a question from the fans. Dan? Gentlemen, how are you guys? I'm super, Doing great. All right, Chris, this one comes from Jim in Kentucky, and he wants to know this. Chris, who is your favorite all-time teammate? Oh, well, Booney's up there. No doubt about it. And the bunny, I was like his caddy. Uh, yeah, Booney's up there. Probably Paul O'Neill. I mean, I mean, I roomed with Paul, you know, most of, you know, pretty much my whole minor league career. And then uh, we were in the big leagues. But, you know, until he got traded, we we still roomed in the big leagues. When most most guys were getting uh, roommates, I was room with Paul. I, I I couldn't stand staying in a room by myself. Uh, so me and Paul used to. Uh, room together then he got traded but uh, we were great roommates because uh, both of us didn't snore and uh you know, paul used to, paul used to like to talk a lot about his uh his game and i, I would just turn over and go to sleep and he'd get mad at me and that worked out great <laughs> uh, to piggyback on that do you have a good brett boone story i have a lot of brett, a lot of brett boone stories uh <laughs> and uh I'll leave him in my back pocket for right now. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. No, Come but, on. But he's uh no, but he's uh he's one of my favorites. Uh, uh yeah, he was a great I mean Booney, you know, my last year, I mean he he was still a really great player and uh and uh great second baseman. I always admired Booney, you know, his his range and and uh his pivot. I mean it was awesome. I mean I you know old spuds could flip anything over there and Booney could he could turn it with the best of them. Uh, but Boone was always great. I, he was, he was uh, what do you call it? Uh, he was always a gamer. I mean, you know, and, and uh, he comes from a long, you know, a great family, obviously. And I mentioned it earlier. Uh, he, he was just always in tune with baseball. I mean, you know, I could mention, uh, you know, uh, Goose Goslin. He knew who the hell I was talking about. I, I, I coached a kid in the minor leagues with the Reds. Uh, an African American player didn't know who Jackie Robinson was, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember, I, m- I remember mentioning to the Reds uh, brass, "I go, we should have a uh, a class of baseball history in, in, for all these minor leaguers, so they know who the Jackie Robinsons and the Roberto Clemente's and the Babe Ruths and all these guys are." And it, that was a good idea. I don't, I don't know if they ever uh, did anything about that, but uh, even when I was at IMG, I used to. Uh, always played. We used to have a long bus trip, eight-hour bus trip every year, and I always played Ken Burns baseball 
I thought that was a pretty good history of uh, uh, baseball. And I think it's important that I was a baseball historian. I think uh, you should know uh, the history of baseball if you want to play. Usually it's nice to know the uh, history of the sport you're about to play professionally, and I agree with you. All right, Spuds, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it, sir. Thank you, and uh, Booney, stay in touch. Mailbag. All right, Booney, you know that sound. Mailbag time, Dan. Mailbag, Booner. All right, this one comes from John in Reno, and he wants to know this. Brett, how's your son playing this season? Good learning year for him. He just finished up, and, uh, you know, he came a long way. That that t- His team he was on, he was in low A uh, with Fredericksburg Nationals, and he started the year, their whole team did. But he started the year, I mean, he was hitting 190 uh, six weeks ago. And he's going to finish up, I think, right at or a little bit over two thirty. But I, I looked at him from a from a not only a father's per, per perspective, but from a if I'm if I'm analyzing him from start to finish, he grew up a lot. Uh, the approach from the beginning of a ball to the end of his first a ball season was night and day. And uh, you know, he stole a few bags. I think he stole nine or ten bags. And uh, Played a really good short. You know, he proved that he can play short professionally, which I which I think is going to be important for him going forward. But, um, you know, it was a rocky start for him. Finished strong. And, and it was – it was. we all go through it. You know, we all go through it to different degrees. But but I think it's going to be something in the future. Uh, it's – it's you got to have these bumps in the road, you know. So when things go bad, you go, oh. I've been there. I've done that before. I know how to get out of it. So I think it was a good learning experience for him and some humble pie, and, and we'll see how he go, uh, does going forward. All right. Bag in the mailbag we go, and this one comes from Mike in Mesa. Brett, what is it like for a team like the D-backs right now? Do they really like to be the spoilers? Well, you got to find something. You know, at the end of – I've been on some great teams. I've been on some mediocre teams. I've been on some bad teams. And you got to find a reason to go out there and play. Uh, and, and that's when September's really hard. You know, when you've been out of the playoff picture pretty much the whole year, but at least the second half of the season, you got to find a reason. When you get up every morning, find a reason to bring it that night. And for me, it used to be, all right, who are we playing tonight? Let's knock them out of the playoffs or uh, – I'll set goals for myself personally. Okay, I want to drive in 90 runs. I want to hit 25 home runs, whatever it may be. you got to find something because, you know, if not, what are you going to do? Just mail it in? Uh, I was never one to mail anything in. So uh, you got to find a reason to play. And and to be honest, uh, you get into those last couple weeks of the season, a team that's fighting for that playoff spot comes in and you kick their butt. It's pretty gratifying. All right. What else is gratifying would be this podcast. We want to thank everybody that listened in. My name is Dan Levy. I'm the technical director, producer, and the voice of the Boom Podcast. Executive producer of the Boom Podcast is Rich Herrera. Digital content all gets taken care of by Liz Landry. Please share the Boom Podcast with neighbors and friends and make sure you subscribe to the Boom Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boom Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boom Podcast, I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening.